What I'm doing, for the guy who likes to bluff, is I'm playing a little game called Am I Bluffing? Huh? Where is she? Where the fuck is Harmony? Harry. You wanna play hardball? I can do that. Where is the girl? What did you just do? I just, I put in one bullet, didn't I? I you put, put a one. live round in that gun. Oh, yeah, there was like an 8% chance. Eight percent. Was it just eight? Eight? Yeah. Who taught you math? math? more. Welcome back. Welcome back, Analysis listeners. We have a loaded baked potato of a show today, so I'm just going to dive right into it. We have joining us from Denver, Colorado. Colin Farrell was too expensive, so we got these guys. It's Jordan Harris and Mike Hammond. Say hi to the people. What's up? Hey, people. And if you look up idiot in the dictionary, you know what you'll find? You're going to find Colin Shea from Royal Oak. Colin, say hi to the people. Excellent. Excellent reference. Good to be back. Excited to get yes. uh, back in the swing of things. Yeah, man. We've had a, we've had a little bit of layover, uh, layoff from you guys. Uh, Oscar season is obviously very heavy with me and Hayes. But this is a, a perfect time for you guys to get back in because there is nothing in the theater that anybody wants to see. Uh, so this is kind of... February, March, April, very limited things happening that are really exciting. We, we're kind of in that weird range where maybe one Marvel movie might come out every now and again, but not a lot that's exciting to go see. So to keep our content thumping along, uh, we've invented Case 4s, we've invented the Mount Rushmore piece, but today we're going to be returning to a, a nice, warm, comfy Case 4 couch and we're going to get a little weird with it today, wouldn't you guys say? This one feels a little off the wall. Yeah, so today we're going to be doing a case for Val Kilmer. And <laughs> you might be going, what the hell? But, uh, yeah, so we have this big spreadsheet full of actors, actresses, uh, directors uh, that we would all be interested in, in, in doing a case for. And what a case for is, is a profile of a performer or a director's career. And the way we do that with a little bit of structure is we talk about our two favorite projects they've ever done, our least favorite project they've ever done, and then we do some shout-outs. And we were looking at the big list, and we just kind of, we, we were having trouble coming to a consensus, but I, I don't know how we came across Val Kilmer, but we were like, oh, like this movie's interesting. Oh, we could talk about that movie. And there was just all sorts of just kind of random 90s nostalgia that 90s and 80s nostalgia that was kind of rushing through my mind at least so we decided what the hell let's give it a go so we're here we're going to talk about val uh, i know a few people have some movies they're really excited to talk about but while you guys were doing your research you were doing some rewatches on the movies that you guys were going to talk about today what were some of your first impressions jordan i'm going to start with you yeah, first of all, Vel Kilmer uh, belongs to my second favorite favorite uh, actor subset, and that is the uh, generally talented actor who spends money like he lives in a rap video, manages to <laughs> go broke, and then has to just make garbage movies for 20 years to pay off all his debts. Um, so it's always enjoyable to see, uh, or at least interesting to see that an actor go through that in his career. and. We talked about that a little bit on our Johnny Depp podcast because he was going through. He's a, in the front know, of the parade leading it with feathers. Johnny Depp is, but yeah. Yeah, Johnny Depp was saying, fire up another Pirates. <laughs> uh, Vale Kilmore's more in the I'll do anything for 10 bucks phase. 
we used to read all the filmographies on here. Uh, we don't anymore, but this would definitely be one that it would we would it would take a half hour just to read all of his credits. There's 102 credits on here. And enormous gaps between movies you actually recognize. Yeah. But Jordan, you were saying? He has multiple movies that just have two different names. Like, they released it under one name and changed it by the time <laughs> it went out on DVD or something. So, oh, it got like, the bur- you the can't even track down treatment. a lot of these movies. Yeah. yeah, except it's just like, he's got one called Run for the Money, and then you look it up and it's called Hard Cash. And it's, uh, it's got a, a full Hard 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so no one reviewed it. Yeah. Um, always Hard impressive to get a 0%. Well, Bob, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the goal, terrible, right? Is if you look for uh, Hard Money, it won't show up as reviews because it was all uh, run for the cash or whatever it was. They all disappeared. It's yeah, no, there you it's, go. There's no paper trail. The old reviews. Johnny Switch in the woods. <laughs> the old Johnny Switch. As, as far as I can tell, he's made 14 movies at least. That have grossed under one million dollars, and at least nine movies that have grossed under a hundred thousand. Which, for somebody with a household name like Val Kilmer, is is pretty impressive to be that obscure. Yeah, Johnny Depp spends that on wine in an evening. You almost have to try to have Val's name attached to a movie. And make <laughs> yeah, that's a great call, Bob. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, what were some of your first impressions going through the Val Kilmer exercise? Well, mainly just the volume of work he did that I've never even heard of in any shape or form, which is, you know, we already talked about. But then, dude, he is the Mm -hmm. ultimate. He reminds me of, like, an athlete uh, that has, like, all the talent and skills, and you assume he's going to put it together at some point. And maybe he does for, like, one season or, like, one or two good movies. But then long term, it's like, what what happened to this guy? Because it is depressing to go back and... He's the Vince Young of acting. Yeah, like... I know, and I don't remember, I didn't do enough research, but I know there's all these legendary stories of him as like a, you know, 20-something and how talented he was and all that, but he kind of got the keys Well, let me get into it now that you're on it. Yeah, so he got, he's the youngest person ever accepted into Juilliard, which is probably the most famous, if not the second most famous acting school in America, and so he was accepted to Juilliard when he was 16 years old, and he was to your point, a total acting prodigy. He was actually really close friends with Kevin Spacey when they were growing up and they were adolescents in California. So, you know, probably in the 90s, you were like, man, those two guys, they just got the world by the tail. And uh, 2020, not so much. But, yeah, <laughs> we got the world by the something. Or by but, uh, something. Yeah, so they, uh, so, but yeah, he was this, this prodigy and really, I mean, Hollywood thought he was going to be the next Marlon Brando. And I'm reading a whole book on Marlon Brando right now, but he was just set up and, and he was very natural and uh, he was very eccentric and, and people were really excited about him. But yeah, just pretty much the definition of a Hollywood doucher and got really bad reputations in terms of someone that is incredibly challenging to work with uh, and uh, basically torpedoed his own career. Um, so yeah, very interesting note that you, you, you had there, Hammond. Any other thoughts? No, I just think the highs are pretty high. We'll talk about the movies, but he somehow in this mix of movies that aren't great, he has some like all-timers that he'll always be remembered for, which is which is why it's frustrating to see that he what he ended up doing with yeah. the rest of these roles he did. Yeah, a lot of just wasted potential it feels, but yeah, some some nice gems that pop out that that you can really enjoy in a rewatch. Colin, what did you feel? Well, I've been listening to too much Raj and too many Raj and Devo podcasts, so I, I came in looking for a, 
a metaphor, a comparison here, but I feel like he's like the Andrew Wiggins of the acting career. Or maybe Allen Iverson, based on Jordan's description of someone Ooh, who yeah. blows through unchecked amounts of cash. We have Vince but Young reference, he's Allen like a Iverson guy. reference, and, uh, <laughs> Andrew, and Andrew Wiggins already. Three sports references for, for Val Kilmer. That's quick, yeah. It's quick. For a guy who's never been in a sports <laughs> movie. Uh, hey, Colin, it's really funny that you bring up Allen Iverson. Have you ever heard the story about Allen Iverson at the Detroit casinos when he was the Pistons guard? Oh, God, No. But Basically, really well, fantastic. it's not much of a story. They just banned him after a while. And so can you imagine the behavioral issues they must have had to talk to the professional point guard on the, on the, on the city's professional basketball team and say, you know what, keep your money at home. We're all set. <laughs> like, we, we don't even want to deal. So, yeah, a very interesting uh, comparison that you had there. The first thing I jumped to is just Detroit Casinos banned Allen Iverson. Just, we're all set. Yeah. You're good. Keep the money at home. But go on. Yeah, I mean, no, you, I mean, you guys touched on it. I just mean, he's he's a guy who I, I guess by, like, all standards and insider reports state he had, you know, all the talent in the world. But you look back, and the career, like, it's such a case of uh, unfulfilled potential. You know, he's got, like, uh, you know, a few 40-point games in him that I'm sure we're going to talk about. But there's so many other cases where you're just like, I'm not really sure he ever had it to be a leading man, but he definitely thought he was a leading man and acted accordingly, even though I'm really not sure that was the case. Um, Dude, that's a perfect transition to my point because I really think he's a quality supporting actor. And some of the movies that we're going to mention here, he's totally a scene stealer. I mean, you're living for when he's going to come back into the movie next. And when he tried to do The Leading Man, all of those movies pretty much were failures. Batman was a failure, Uh, The Saint was a failure. I, he, he just consistently uh, blew it when he was at the front of that poster. But I think he's a really, at times, he and a lot of people that worked with him said he was an incredible improviser. He's a really intelligent actor. You can tell that this guy has a, a wealth of knowledge and he's just a really intelligent man. And I think he's interesting in a lot of different ways as an actor. I just think it really applies to his supporting work and even, strangely, sometimes his character work. I wouldn't say he's a character actor. He's not Paul Giamatti or somebody like that, but he, he kind of exists really well in that supporting role or that, that role where he's able to just play around. Yeah, and you wish, like, you, you could, like, draw, draw a line in the sand, right, to steal a line from Walter Sobchak and say that, like, you okay. stand on draw either side. Draw a line in you, the sand! <laughs> where you either, like, accept your role or you don't, right? And you got guys like, you know, R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was an awesome supporting actor, but he accepted that that's what he was amazing at, and everything he he did, he was fantastic in. You know what I mean? But it seems like Val didn't really kind of have that humility to understand that he was best in small doses, and uh, you'd think he he would have a lot more awesome uh, titles under his under his belt if he kind of kind of coasted on on that as opposed to really like uh, just being determined to be this leading man that it seems like he just maybe what didn't have the didn't have the chops for although those movies that bob mentioned the saint and batman were still commercial successes right i mean they, they did well at the box office they made a lot of money um, so i imagine based on that he would have had opportunities to maybe do more quality uh movies where he was a leading role he just he burned too many bridges along the way i always get the sense that 
he was he, he was so concerned with his acting and he thought uh, his performance was so important that he was kind of blind to the larger production value as a whole and just and just you know rubbing it collaborative the way, you know. great nice thoughts to get us started let's get into the structure so the structure like i had mentioned before we like to talk about our two favorites that could be either performance or movie we leave that up to you whatever that means to you two favorites your least favorite every rose has a thorn every career has a piece of shit or maybe 80 pieces of shit that you can choose from um, and then we're going to just do some shout outs, some stuff that didn't make our top two, but things that we just have enjoyed throughout the years. So Jordan, we're going to start with you. What is your first favorite Val Kilmer movie? My favorite Val Kilmer movie, and I think his best performance is definitely Tombstone. I basically saw this movie before I ever saw this movie. Doc Holliday. Yeah, yeah a Southern Gentleman. Um, I basically saw this movie before I ever even saw it because my my dad and his friends quoted it so much that by the time I, I i saw the movie for the first time i was like oh that's where all the shit dad says comes from um just to <laughs> <laughs> what, what what context would you quote any of that movie unless you're in a saloon well he, 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 he right. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah daisy if you do uh, yeah okay all i think right. it's a top five i stand corrected a top five most quotable movie uh, that's a non-comedy of all time. Interesting. I gotta man, that would be an interesting podcast. Just quotable non-comedies. Yeah, because you, you have to take I'll, you have I'll to take comedies that. out of the equation because they're they're made for quoting. Yeah. So uh, take those out, and yeah, I think that one's up there with, um, you know, Die Hard, maybe even like Terminator. But I think Terminator only has oh, yeah. a couple lines. Um, maybe maybe a Rocky movie or something. But I think I think Tombstone surpasses them all. Uh, just a great performance by Val Kilmer. He's uh, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting would be Die Hard's one, pretty yeah. high. That's just for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah uh, actually, thanks for giving us some content to think about later. But uh, yeah, so um, so H Bomb would would quote this all the time, huh? Yeah, he your dad. He, he did drunk. That's all. He, you know, and he called me a skinny longer, and it took me. I don't know how many years until I finally saw the movie to realize he was he was using a line from that movie to call me a skinny longer. Um, but yeah, well, your dad would so always great. insult insult your frame in general because he is a seventy year old bodybuilder, so <laughs> he was he was always trying to get you in the weight room. Yeah, he can never live up to the, those expectations. That's for sure. How it's funny you say that, Jordan, because that's going to be all of us when we're when we're older and people are gonna have no idea that we're quoting the big Lebowski and goodwill hunting and heavyweights and happy go more to them. We're just going to think that we're the stupid, crazy old parents. A hundred percent. I'll be like, what? And then yeah. I'm going to force my kids to watch movies. They don't give a shit about. Yes. <laughs> but that, uh, the back to tombstone, like you were saying, uh, he, and this was, this was one of the examples that I was bringing up when it was, he's a support, definitely a supported character. He's probably maybe second lead, maybe third lead in this movie, but easily stealing scene, just robbing scenes away yeah. from uh, Kurt Russell. Who's great in this movie. And Sam Elliott, who's like the all time speaking of big Lebowski, who's <laughs> this all time Southern actor, but, uh, or just Western actor, but yeah, doc holiday. It's almost like molasses rolling out of his mouth. Andrew Bernard style. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, I do, I do declare, I do declare. but uh, yeah, he's, he's this like, he's this dude that's, fucking hilarious and he's just always 
drenched in sweat because he's got this tuberculosis, but all the chicks want to <laughs> fuck him because he's so cool and he's funny and sarcastic and he's badass and he's really the dude that everybody wants to be. Yeah, Bob, the, the big thing with that is the physicality of him acting sick all the time. Like, you, you really feel that he's super sick. Like, he does a good job at that, but that's not what you care about. You care about everything else he's doing. So there is a physical element to the role. I think he does a really good job at. Yeah, and and the and there's care and and through all that though, there's still a ton of charisma. And there's times where you can get a sense he can barely stand up, what for either being like deathly ill and basically having half of his lungs left, or being blind ass drunk. Oh, the scene with the the flipping of the gun and then he does the the tin cup instead, like that. That's oh, like so good. such a good scene. Yeah, he's half drunk, he's half sick, and he's still like that's his rebuttal. Oh, it's fantastic. That's the charisma. Just like sunning this dude's ridiculousness. This movie has a billion famous people in it. Mm-hmm. So so the guy who the guy so they, they do the like gun dance show off. Uh, that guy is Kyle Reese in the original Terminator movies. So that's that's mm, one of the yeah. Powers Booth is the other bad guy. Yep. Um but then like Billy Bob Thornton Powers Booth is crazy. Yeah, Hayden Powers Church. Booth is an incredible big. Yep. Billy Bob Thornton, fat Billy Bob Thornton is the fat original uh, blackjack dealer that they that they that Kurt Russell slaps around. Obviously Kurt Russell's in it. It took about 3 slaps for me to realize that was him. Yeah. Yeah, your friend Billy Zane, listen to him, he's a cool dude. Uh, Michael Rooker <laughs> is in it. The crazy dude from Cliffhanger and in Walking Dead. He's he's one of the dudes, the, one of the one of the cowboys that turns good. Terry O'Quinn from CMU is in this. So a little CMU love, a little CMU alumni. Is that the guy from Lost? Wait, Terry yeah, O'Quinn. Locke, Who is hey Locke from right? Lost. Is that Lost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's from CMU. Fire up chips. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of people in that movie as well. And he said that he did like an interview where he was asked that question about like all the actors who were in it and how many of them had already been leading actors and how they managed to get all those guys in it. And it, he said it was all about wanting to do a Western and like everybody wanted to do it because Hollywood never does them anymore. And so when one comes around, it's like such a hot property. And then you really only get like one. And then there's like a small fear flurry after there's a success. And then you don't see him for again for a long time. So he said, well, he, he thinks that's why like everybody joined up is because you just you just never see a Western. And when a good one comes along with a good writer that everyone is just dying to get whatever piece of it they can. That's interesting. What came first, Wyatt Earp or Tombstone? I think I think Wyatt Earp, didn't it? Wyatt Earp was ninety four, and Tombstone was ninety three. So Tombstone actually came first. The other thing with Tombstone is it's like mm. I feel like it kind of kicked off that. It's a super nineties movie, which is obvious now that we're looking back on it. But the the whole vibe of that movie, the ensemble cast thing, we'll talk yeah. about this more with other movies that he's in. But that was a thing, you know, those like melodramatic action movies. The the uh, the music the whole thing was just like it just takes you back to like a different time of movies for sure you know what it reminds me of Hammond it, uh, you guys remember Miller's Crossing the Coen Brothers movie mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I remember he said like they said their in, their inspiration for that was it was a one line and all they said was I wanted to make a, a pretty movie about men in hats I feel like this was like I, I want to make a pretty movie about men in mustaches <laughs> and that's that's like what this whole movie is oh yeah mm-hmm. The must mustache fest, yeah. The only the only character Although that I, I wasn't feel like into at was Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. 
Paxton kind of sucks. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Bill Paxton was it was pointless. I just think at at its core, it's actually a movie uh, about the the friendship between Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. Uh, unfortunately, I think you can see like movie studios fingers all over that movie because they kind of they shoehorn in this love story. Uh, the women in this movie are basically pointless. Pointless. It's a, it's a totally. dude's, yeah. dude's movie, um, and they're just in there because it, it seems like the studio felt like it had to be in there, but. Um, that's why I think Vale Kilmer and Doc Holliday are the most interesting character in the movie because he kind of is the only one that's there that's not sort of acting out of altruism. All the law dogs are there to uphold the law, and uh, they're sort of the definition of the good guy. And Doc Holliday is there just supporting his friend and wife. Yeah. So uh, it adds it adds a level to the performance as well, and it comes through with Vale Kilmer. There's that great line towards the end when one of the cowboys asks Doc Holliday, it's like, why are you here? And he's like, White Earp's my friend. And he's like, oh shit, I got a lot of friends. And Doc goes, I don't. And it's a really yeah. nice, it's a really nice delivery by Val Kilmer. But it, yeah, you, it definitely, that moment summarizes the, the relationship in a very poignant way. Yeah, the movie should have ended when Doc Holliday is on his deathbed and White Earp is... Uh, sitting with him and, and doc asks him to leave so he can kind of die in peace and that's where the movie should have ended and then there's this really random scene where they bring the the woman that wider has been courting back and they kind of dance in the streets and then there's a little story about how they spend the rest of their life together yeah it really made no sense well and it just isn't um, earned because you know, <laughs> no one cares yeah. right yeah. it's just there you find out more about that woman after the movie actually ends in the credits than you do at any point during the movie yeah Good, really good point. But overall, I mean, it's an opportunity for dudes to go, yeah, 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 and get on horses. And, you know, I mean, the, the amount of gunfights in this scene. Just, there's a scene where a dude gets drunk and just goes in the middle of the street just firing his gun in circles, you know? So it's, I mean, they're, they're really using those uh, revolvers. Uh, they're, they're really wearing those revolvers out. But overall, uh, just kind just of a fun, nostalgic hang. And, you know, you get to, you know, remember Jimmy H-Bomb and all of his quotes when, when you watch it. So... Yeah. Hammond, what's your favorite? Let's move on to Hammond now. Hammond, what's your favorite Val Kilmer movie? Oh, boy. Colin, you ready or what? Damn it. Damn it. I, you know, I'm sitting here like the GM who has the third pick, just like waiting for that all-star <laughs> to fall in one more spot. I'm like, come on, just fall to me one more time. One more time. Let me get oh, it. Let man. me get it. Yes. I know. I mean, we the pick is kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I, know, I know what's coming. Yeah, just... Sure. just. All right. It's kiss, Perry kiss, bang, bang, bang forever. Yeah, if I'm if I'm making a list of my favorite movies ever, not the best movies ever, but my favorite movies ever, this is on there. I don't know how many times in college you watch this movie, Colin, but it's it's a it's an absurd amount. It's by far my favorite Val Kilmer performance. He absolutely murders it. He's hilarious. And Gay Perry. Yeah, man. And uh, and not to go too much on an aside here, but even before. We were gonna do this podcast. I, you know, I have this home theater in my basement. I set up, and I've been buying Blu-rays when I find them for cheap. And I try to find, you know, five, five six-dollar Blu-rays. If I find them, I buy them. So I bought the Blu-ray before we even talked about this, and I watched it. And it, the staying power of this movie, and specifically Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer together, and what they're doing in a lot of these scenes, I miss it so much. And it bums me out so much. I know this is a Val Kilmer thing, but Robert Downey Jr. in this movie is so funny and so great, and it's such a bummer he decided to make comic movies for 15 years. I really hope he <laughs> these two have, that. These two, have, these two literally have the be- like some of the best 
oh my god on-screen chemistry and i i know it's because the same guy wrote both yeah, movies but i mean it's it's like mel gibson danny glover style like it's that it's that level there's there's so unbelievable good. yeah and and uh the thing with bill Kerman in this movie too to me is he's such a dick and that's how i picture him in real life you know just based on all the stories oh. and the stuff we've read about his movies yeah. so i feel like this was this was val kilmer acting. being val kilmer yeah i feel like he's He's Bill Kermer and he's a little bit gay and he just kills it. And it's like the perfect scenario for him. And, uh, you know, we could spend an entire podcast Mike. talking about just this movie, obviously. And Bob, I, I hope you know that uh, we're going to share the next 20 minutes as we dissect this awesome movie. But Go ahead. Hammond, have at it, bud. I actually have it written down here that I always envisioned that Gay Perry was actually Iceman from Top Gun 20 years later. And all that repressed sexual aggression with Maverick finally just burst <laughs> down and turned him into the dark mess that we get in this movie. Uh, but he gives up his he gives up his his seat at flight school to go into private eye work in Los Angeles. Maverick broke his heart, man. We all know that there was it was deep down. Yeah, that volleyball scene is deep. 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 <laughs> I'm with you though, Mike. I, I said honestly, this might this might be my I'm not I'm not going to use the word favorite strategically. Here. I'm going to say this might be my most in, most enjoyable movie of all time. Wow. Like just want to have a good time watching a movie this movie is it i've i've you said it earlier i've watched this not exaggerating 50 times like this this is an all-timer for me jesus man what about it does it for you colin it's part of its nostalgia part of its uh ego because we all whether it's bands or movies have like that one that uh, that we found first that you then recommend to everyone that you're so protective of. You know what I mean? And I I remember when I first encountered this movie, it was a preview on a VHS tape of Green Street Hooligans in Brian Brennan's basement. And I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, this movie looks awesome. And then I, I'm almost positive I convinced Hammond to watch it one night, and we were both just like, this movie is this movie is pure gold. It's definitely not and a so movie like that this... I saw in theaters. No, not at all. No, no. No, no, definitely not. Did anybody, I wonder. Probably not. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one that's like, that kind of has that like nostalgia to it. But even separate from that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Hammond's going to say similar things, but like, it's just uh, the dynamic between the two of them. The soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, Michelle Monaghan is great. Like there's, there's a lot of really good acting in this movie. The writing's tight. It's funny. Like there's like just burst out loud laughing. And Gay Perry is, it, you talk about oh, scene stealing. He outacts Robert Downey Jr. in a lot of these scenes, which is like, it's fantastic. I mean, his his just like his presence. You know, he has that like perfect posture and just like that. Uh, he has that like soft command of every scene that he's in that he just kind of overpowers Robert Downey and just about every time that he's there. Uh, it's it's a it's a fantastic. Uh, you want to call it a tour de force, but Mike's right. Like I feel like this is kind of like what Kilmer's like in real life. Well, and everyone knows Robert Downey Jr. now is sort of the quick-witted, fast-talking guy, but uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was the first time, I think, that we saw that, and it was it was really refreshing and interesting to see. Um, and then how he, he balanced that with, uh, uh, you know, the straight-faced Val Kilmer was just a really good um, pairing between those two guys. That can go awry when the other person's not good at that, but that's why that the tête-à-tête with these two is is so next level, because they're both amazing at it. You really can't understate that this revived Downey's career. It didn't do as much to revive Val Kilmer's career. His career is 
no. has still kind of remained a little plateaued or a lot plateaued. But yeah, this definitely was a huge factor in Downey Jr. getting Iron Man and basically hanging mm-hmm. out the last 11 years um, doing Iron Man. And I mean, he, he's also had a few other projects. But uh, yeah, this was it, just the, the dialogue and it's Shane Black. And this is actually Shane Black's first time ever directing. And he's directed a few times since. But this is, he's wrote a lot and he wrote a lot, obviously. And he's, he's really good at buddy cop stuff. But this movie mm-hmm. has really fun satire on cop movies in general. It's incredibly like self-aware, right? And there's a lot of really fun bits that when I was rewatching it last night, I was dying out loud where it's they're they're getting walked at gunpoint and he's like, Oh, one thing that they, they do all they do wrong in the movies <laughs> yeah. all the time is they put the gun on the person's back when really you would be five feet away, so the guy doesn't fucking take the gun from you and and then <laughs> there, there's all these there's there's all these like uh just the, the narrative and, and Colin, didn't you take a writing class where they had you study this movie as as a as a way to do exposition or narrative? Yeah. Oh wow. Uh that is catching I don't I don't think it was this movie, but I could see why it might be. I mean, because there's there's such you're right, there's a great level of reflection in this that is um poking fun in so many levels, but also doing it in such a refreshing way. Yeah. That it doesn't feel like pan- pandering, you know, but uh, but definitely it would be. Him as the narrator is is its whole other element, and he'll make jokes like, oh, why do you think we mentioned that uh, in the yeah. scene? Oh, I wonder if that, that uh, power plant's going to come back in our climactic moment, right, guys? Like, he's mm-hmm. he's yeah. always winking and nudging to, to the camera, and, and um, I know this is based on a book, and um, I, I've, I've heard that the narrative in the book is, is similarly funny. And so the whole like, oh, I got home and I was wetter than Drew Barrymore at a, at a grunge concert. Like a lot of that stuff is, is in the book. And they, they, Shane Black borrows some of the dialogue from that narrative and that narrator for Downey Jr. But it, it just sings really well. And it, it's, it's, it's just a little bit different, right? And, and, but it's the, the whole strength of the movie is built on the relationship of the two of them and then michelle monaghan as the as the the woman as well is really well cast and she's just Mm -hmm. very easy to look at we'll say as well so uh it's got a style too so it's it's got it's got a really fun style and and um and pretty engaging plot so overall definitely one that has to be mentioned yeah, and Bob, and the last thing I'll say on it, it just one last thing is that I feel like Val Kilmer was sort of slotted for these Batman, these large, huge leading man roles, like you said, and he's so much better as this like subdued, like buddy cop character, like I, and you'll see this throughout a lot of his movies, mm-hmm. right? And so I just really enjoy that yeah. that like he's this is like a cult movie for a lot of people, and it's kind of cool he has that because I feel like he was billed as this you know Batman guy, which you yeah. would never expect. And Bob, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to move on, but no, I, do, I, I just want to—I want to amplify one of your points because I think it's just important for anyone who who hasn't seen this movie and is going to go listen to this and then go maybe watch it for the first time. This was such an interesting crossroads movie for both of these actors because they both had the similar um, early peak with, with some of their most famous roles, and then a huge lull where they kind of fell off the table and everyone was like, "God, do these guys really still have it?" And then this movie hit, and like you said. Robert Downey really, he took this and ran with it. You know, he had Zodiac and Iron Man in the, the coming years that really then catapulted his career again to a new heights that he hadn't even reached before. But then you have Kilmer, who again was starved for that, like, sort of renaissance. And you saw this movie and you're like, oh, 
shit, Kilmer's back, man. Like, I forgot about this dude. He's dynamite. I can't wait to see what he does next. Immediately after this, there's just a, another, just a just a giant, just down the roller coaster for him, unfortunately. And I think that's a like lesson. a really interesting way to look, yeah. That's a lesson in that if you're challenging to work with, it's, like, all the talent in the world, it's like, there's a lot of talented people, man. We'll rather, we'd rather save ourselves the headache. And I don't know yeah. even whether, how, how he was on set with this, but uh, it's... Uh, it's just it's really interesting to to see where careers come and go and and as Ari from Entourage says Hollywood loves a comeback and Britney already fucked hers up so you're next Vince and but it, it's it feels like uh, yeah Val's Val's kind of fucked up a couple different comebacks but uh, kiss kiss bang bang uh, lots of lots of love for it Colin because you you shared with Hammond what would be your second favorite Val Kilmer movie um all right so. There's definitely better movies to pick from from this one, but I tried to go on straight performance. Ooh. And it's it's another one that this is this is really funny the connections that I have to Val Kilmer in Brian Brennan's basement. But we watched the doors in I, I just remember that's the first time I saw the doors too was there. And his performance, his capturing of Jim Morrison, uh, to me is so uncanny it's similar to jamie fox and ray in the fa- in the way that it's accurate um there's been so many reports about the level of like method acting that he went into this where he had to kind of go to therapy afterwards to get out of this jim morrison kind of darkness you know a la a heath ledger and, and the joker kind of thing um he just completely dove into this role um it's unfortunate, and I know it was a March release for this movie, and the Oscars for that year took place later in March, so it's kind of one of those... T- it didn't have a chance to really build all that much momentum, um, and it was the year that Anthony Hopkins won, but like this was a kind of role where you often see an Oscar nom get thrown If it was made today, you, he would have won know. the Oscar <laughs> because, right. of, because yeah. of the way people freak out over... Uh, yeah, the, the Joaquin Phoenixes. Yeah, kind of, like yeah, like there's all you almost all, fucking it almost guarantees you at least a nom. And Renee Zellweger that, for Judy. Like he's better in this. Renee Zellweger. Who the fuck is Renee Zellweger? <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, like like they, they reward movies like this all the time. But yeah, not not a lot of critical yeah. love. He's actually never been nominated for an Oscar at all. Um, he's only been nominated for like, random satellite awards or Gotham awards or MTV movie awards, three noms in the MTV movie awards, but no wins. No, I was going to say that, I mean, this one was just like, I know we don't do our, our whole filmography anymore, but this was right in his wheelhouse of like peak Kilmer between what? 91 and 95. He comes off, you know, two early hits with real genius and top gun, but then he lands an Oliver Stone movie out of nowhere and then rolls off true romance, tombstone, Batman gets the Batman gig. And then, you know, obviously his, his, his uh, coup de grace in the heat at the end, but like you know, this is a four four year span where he really he really uh, kind of established himself as a as a Hollywood uh, force. You don't and this performance to me was awesome. Romance. No, I know, I know. He's that, he's, yeah, he's, he's Elvis. Elvis. He's Elvis. Um, I'm just just saying, it's a Tarantino written movie. He goes from Oliver Stone to Tarantino when he's only done a handful of movies by then, and that's that's impressive, but. Actors doing yeah, he had, he had a stretch here in bad movies is just like peak shit I don't care about. So you're you're against the Doors movie. I've actually never seen it, but just I, I actually didn't like the movie. It's not, it's not a great. I, 
it's no, not it's some not. great movie, but it's I think it's an excellent it's an excellent performance. He's good in it, and he's he's in he's very much like Jim Morrison. Do you know that he actually they they used a lot of his singing yeah. in this as well, and they weren't going no, to. The people on the set were saying it got to the point where they couldn't tell the difference between their voices. Like that's how how deep into it he got, which is it's impressive. Like you know, like Hammond. I think I remember what this yeah. year uh, just killing. Uh, Oh, why am I blanking on his name? The guy who played Freddie Mercury, but um, Rami Malek. How he did, Malek. Rami Malek. How he didn't uh, do any of the singing for that movie and stuff. But like you know, that that is a big. It's a big part of it. If you're gonna play a famous musician, it's more important that you're able to kind of really capture it. You know, in a three sixty degree, three and sixty degree view, and you got to do some of that singing. And that's how Joaquin was so good. Yeah. He he actually I, I saw an interview that he did where he went to Oliver Stone and he said you got to let me sing and Oliver Stone wanted him to sing the track and he was like let me do this let me sing on this album and I'll intersplice throughout the album Jim singing and then me singing and if you can tell the difference then I'll shut up and they played it for surviving members of the Doors and they played it for Oliver Stone and they had a really hard time telling the difference between Jim Morrison and Val Kilmer so that's how he was able to convince him to allow him to sing on in the movie it's an interesting little tidbit that's awesome yeah man Jim Morrison was a crazy dude wait sorry do I, can I can I do a random office reference bring it so apparently do you guys so for the people who have seen the movie there's a very uncomfortable love scene where he's just screaming at the top of his lungs uh and it's very awkward uh, obviously the role went to meg ryan but funny enough jan levinson gould apparently auditioned for this role for oliver stone and creepily that's the scene that oliver stone made all the women do when they came in for the that is creepy, which is super, super old hollywood creepy. yeah old hollywood creepy. baby <laughs> hollywood in the 80s and 90s it was the wild west and i'm not talking tombstone yeah all right you mean jan levinson what happened to the gold no gold. no no gold no gold no gold can we please just um <laughs> int- yeah that's that uh, i i just i i'm not a very big oliver stone fan and i i don't want to get into it too much but yeah, I, I don't really. Some of his movies, there's a couple of his movies that I like, but I did not connect with with this one. Um, I I just remember just being kind of surprised when I saw this movie, and I did not see this in Brian Brennan's basement like you did. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just remember being like, oh my god, like homie lived a crazy life, and he would go up on stage and you're all a bunch of slaves, and he would basically berate his audience while he was on heroin and. <laughs> just like it just seemed like a crazy time uh but yeah even val kilmer moved into the hotel for a long time that morrison stayed at and uh was very got super method with it and Mm. um yeah it kind of definitely needed to be pulled out of that that role once he finished it which was just kind of the the behind the scenes stories on that were, were fascinating in its own but i just think in general i i didn't connect with with the movie as much, but uh, an impressive performance, definitely. Cool. Um, who, uh, Jordan? Let me get your second favorite movie. Yeah, we're getting into a uh, tough territory here, right? You got to pick something. Um, I want to pick Tombstone twice. Can't <laughs> do it. Twice. Thanks, Jim um, Harris. But can you give me your actual second favorite movie? Yeah, I guess let's talk about Heat. I mean, that's okay. that's the right answer, I guess. Even though he's probably the fifth most important person in that movie, roughly. 
Um, he doesn't he doesn't do a whole lot in it, but he is there, um, and it is a fantastic movie. So he at least gets to uh, hang his hat on on and being in heat. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, you know, the biggest uh, Velcom or takeaway I had from that movie is basically they all um, run into trouble because he has a gambling problem. That was probably the most important character trait of his. <laughs> and then he wants to go to another heist because he blew all his money. Um, and I know he, he received some uh, praise for just kind of, uh, you guys were, were talking about how he, he just goes deep into uh, research for these roles. And I guess he was... Uh, noticeably really skilled in the way that he was handling a gun and uh, in the shootout scene specifically um he received some praise from like uh, military personnel for how he performed and acted it like turned into a training video when he does that like front to back on the famous shootout scene and the changing of the mag like it's something they they apparently like showed it to cadets as like a training video which is pretty crazy i think because he does it really quickly he always he always practices these weird little things that don't seem like they're that important but kind of have an impact in a movie like I don't know if you saw in Tombstone, he's like flipping the coin through his fingers as like a mm-hmm. like a nervous yep, tick. Yep. He, he does that in Real Genius too, so um, he's used it more than once. With the yeah. pen? He does yeah, it yeah. through, was it the flipping? Are you talking about when he rolls it on his fingers too? Yeah. He does, he does it in, in Top Gun as well. Mm. It's one of his, it's almost like Brad Pitt eating ice cream in every movie he does. It's Val Kilmer's going to be flipping something in his knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this was directed by Michael Mann. And Michael Mann has a very specific style, and anytime it's either I, I just I just always know this type of movie, and uh, so it's it was really stylized. It's very nineties. Like when you watch, like did you guys feel that when you were rewatching this? Like holy shit, this is nineties. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's nineties, um, it's but it holds up like so well. The heist held up for sure. Uh, I would be interested. We've we've talked about it before. Doing just a, a podcast on just the greatest heists in movies. Um, the 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 second heist there is just a really thrilling scene. What, are you talking about the one like where Wayne Girl goes crazy, or are you saying at the big shootout at the end? The big shootout at yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because there's no there's no soundtrack. It's just the soundtrack is the the fucking AK is just going. Just yeah, off the buildings so, downtown such LA. A, yeah. such a great choice. If that's a Michael Bay movie. You just have some crazy uh, strings quartet playing some epic music behind it, and it's completely ruined. Like, it's a great choice to just be silent and just live in the the action of the movie. Oh, it's, it's that's that's an awesome ten minutes. Yeah, the choreography of that must have just been insane to shoot. Do you guys? Do you guys? When when that's going down, when that movie's happening, are you guys rooting for De Niro and his crew to get away with the heist, or are you rooting for the cops to to seek justice? Niro, I'm a Niro, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm always rooting for the heist guys. Like every fucking time, no matter how bad they are in the movie. Like that that, um, the Beyond the Pines movie with, uh, Gosling. I'm like always rooting for the dude that's robbing the bank to get away. And, and I sometimes I'm conflicted with that morally. Do you guys ever feel that or no? It's got to be good writing. Like you have to you have to give a shit about the bad guy right i mean maybe it's because it's de niro and he has just the the gravitas to make you feel that way but i think they do a good job of making him a sympathetic professional you know like not Uh, some he's not like val you you don't really feel that much sympathy at least i don't for val kilmer's character because he's kind of a junkie gambleholic and he's like this loose cannon but uh like the professionalism like i'm doing this for a living kind of he's almost like that he's almost like john turturro in in rounders you know i mean like he's a guy he's a grinder and you have like a respect for that 
so they do a good job of that. I think from a writing standpoint in that movie. Yeah, I think. Uh, like do you a, think the movie's trying to make a? Go ahead. I was gonna say I think that Heat is like one of the most ripped off movies uh, in a long time. Don't you think? In terms of all these heist movies, the town. Yeah, they just rip. Well, it you off. can see the town. The yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really make this movie that much. Well, anymore. they can't because the I heist feel like movie. Heat did it so well. So I feel like it's timeless in that way, like kind of what Colin's saying. But uh, I think it also created this. It, it didn't create it, but that anti-hero you support you know the person you're not supposed to support and they have a beat de niro and they have pacino on the other side which pacino is out of his mind pacino in this movie by the way just full full Love pacino it. i'm not gonna do the impression <laughs> full to, full i'm not gonna do the impression out of his mind pacino. loved some of the pacino this is so great <laughs> yeah uh it's 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 also nice seeing robert de niro at an age where he can realistically kick someone's ass instead of the old man kicks from the <laughs> yeah. irishman when he was supposed to be back at the same exactly i was I like oh that's the way that. that's the <laughs> it's like he's not doing the old man kicks in this movie yeah does anybody else wish you got a little more from kilmer in this movie though that's what that's the point I made at the top of the podcast yeah. is that like you're always wanting more of his stuff when he's in these supporting roles. Yeah. It's a great well, he, movie. I mean, this is the best movie he's ever done. For sure. But in terms of the role, he's good when he's on screen, but uh I wish we had a little more. Like, you know, I mean Tom Sizemore is great in the scenes that he's in, but I wish I wish Kilmer and Ashley Judd maybe just had a little bit more to chew on, but um A little more Natalie? But a little more Natalie? Natalie great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little more Natalie, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Early Natalie. Val Kilmer's character is the only one that makes it in the end, that gets away, Colin, so I'm surprised you're not asking for a sequel, dying to find out what yeah, he did well, after, I think, I think unfortunately, I think, unfortunately, we're getting the real-life Val Kilmer sequel right now. He looks about the same as he did at the end of Heat. Yeah, yeah. hard times. Sadly. Hard times. Yep. Hard times are hard. Cool. So, moving on to Hammond. Hammond, what was your favorite, uh, second favorite Kilmer? Well, they've been taken. I mean, I had Tombstone and Heat. Yeah. Those are kind of the go-tos. This is this is a tough position to be in, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> that snake draft. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the one I would bring up. He didn't even get. He didn't even get the first pick. That's true. I, I'm gonna go back to Thunderheart, which I texted you guys about. Oh. Yeah. This is a random one. I wanted to watch some weird Kilmer. Uh, Thunderheart. Okay. So you got deep in the Kilmer catalog. I did. I here. did. And in terms of a role that he's playing. No one else saw it, right? It was just me. Yeah, you're going to have to tell us what this movie is. No, I didn't. So it's a very 90s movie uh, that's basically a murder mystery that takes place in the Indian Reservation. And Val Kilmer is like, I think he's a percent suit, uh, like in his past, but he's like a super... Of course, of course. He's like a super racist uh, white guy that hates himself in a way. So he has to like go investigate this entire crime is he like tyrone biggums a little bit i mean not <laughs> see the black right I mean, supremacist that bad. you want to see my face you want to see my <laughs> face <laughs> all right we can't quote that entire uh that entire sketch uh, sketch but okay no, so well, he's a little so he's a little tyrone right, biggums. But it's like okay. very 90s where like he starts off that way but then like he learns through his experience that he's wrong and then he saves everybody right or like uh that kind of thing but in the movie, he is this like really intelligent detective who's like a dick. I mean, he's kind of like Gay Perry again. It's like almost the precursor to that. And and okay. no one's seen this movie. I got an eighty-eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes, and it's a legit, it's, it's a bad. legitimately interesting like thriller mystery. Uh, and it's weird that he didn't do a bunch of those kind of movies. It's his second, yeah. It's his second rated 
movie on oh, tomatoes. So True Romance is True Romance is his top rated, but he's not even in that. So this is actually his highest rated movie that he actually is in. Then it's Heat, then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, then Pollock, which he's barely in, and then Prince huh. Prince of Egypt, Top Secret, Real Genius. Mike, so, are you are you telling me this is the Val Kilmer equivalent to the Tony Perkis uh, prequel to White Goodman, Ben Stiller style? Is that what that what's going on? Pretty- here? Pretty ah. much, he's planting the seeds. He's just not gay in this role, and he's apparently gay because he's bang bang. But he's the lead in it. That's the missing ingredient. It's the missing ingredient. He's the lead in that movie, so and that's another reason why he is. He has the most screen time. He's pretty much the only person that they care about in the movie outside of the reservation as a whole. So, if I'm picking one that's a distant fourth in terms of my list, uh, I'm gonna go with that. That's not bad, and I'm glad you saw it because it's his top-rated movie that he actually has a significant role in. So. Good research on you, Hammond. Good research on you. Uh, Colin, do you have any uh, other ones before we get to our least favorites? Uh, you're talking shout-outs, or are you saying favorites? No, just your 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 second favorite. Oh, you've already done your oh, second favorite. Oh, we did. Favorite. We did those okay. already. Yeah, All right, done. so we've done our second. Man, I'm, man, there were some good ones you guys are going to have in shout-outs that I would have moved up to favorites, but but that's all. It's all love. Uh, let's go to, uh, Colin, I'll have you lead us off with your least favorite Val Kilmer movie. <sighs> Okay, so again, I kind of approach. All right, here's the thing. There's there are a bunch of movies that we could pick from this. Sadly, there's a lot of stinkers in this entire catalog of what seventy plus movies that he's been in. Yep, I'm gonna be honest and say I didn't see most of them because why would I? Yeah, uh, that's fair. Your time is valuable. But there is one that I saw that I mean, to be honest, it might be in the shoutouts because it's actually a, I enjoy it as a movie, but his performance drives me up up the wall. And it's because his accent is terrible. The Ghost in the Darkness. That's a shout out for me. <laughs> I, I That's him a shout out. <laughs> no, I, I, legit, I legit really like the movie. And my wife and I recently watched that just even before we knew we were doing this. Maybe like two months ago I made her watch it because I was like, this is a really what? cool kind of scary movie. Like it's actually kind of cool. I like this movie. It is not. Uh, it's a good movie. It's actually entertaining. It's, it's, it's just that his movie. accent as some Victorian it English or whatever is terrible. It's, I did not get it's like, like thirty minutes of it because the opening dialogues, the first few minutes of the of the movie is so bad, and then it gets just like really racist, and I was like, "What the hell is this movie?" Well, it's a nineties movie. <laughs> I mean, it's a white it's a white savior movie for yeah, sure. You can't just, you can, there was good movies made in the nineties. Yeah. This movie is not good. No, I that is gen. It, it's entertaining. I think it's a cool. They they went like a realistic kind of Jaws twist on it and took a, a, a situation that probably. It's something that's it's 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 it can happen. I don't know. It's interesting though. I thought I enjoy that movie, but I just I just hate his performance. So that's the most frustrated I've been in a Val Kilmer movie is listening to him try and do this accent. And for a guy who's method and does so many things well, I could not stand him in this movie. I love. Does Africa. he ro- roll anything I've through his knuckles? To go there. <laughs> so he. Uh... Yeah, uh, I'll I'll just leave that where it is. I, I think we've we've chewed enough on Ghost in the Darkness. Uh, I will say though, at the uh, Field Museum here in Chicago are the original lions that they hunted yeah. down, because mm-hmm. those lions were mauling and eating a lot of people. So uh, I was able to see the actual lions with my own eyes. Yeah, so. Hammond. See, you're getting real stories put in the movie theater. Why are you guys complaining? This isn't well, this, a Marvel well, movie. It actually happened. Yeah. So the only thing I'll add to Colin's <laughs> thing is like that is you're right. It's Jaws on the plains or like on the Serengeti, and it's it's a very cliche movie. 
But when I was a kid, it terrified me, and I was really scared when I first saw it. That that's like a like a nostalgic thing for me. So I get, I feel like that dude. This was adds... this was another one of those that I remember. This was yeah. CMU freshman year with like uh, with Brownie, and then we went. You remember the Family Dollar, and you could get oh, the five yeah. for five deal. Oh yeah. The Ghost in, Ghost in the Darkness was a five for five uh, DVD freshman Man. year in the dorms. We're getting so nostalgic. You're talking about previews before DVDs yep. in Brian Brennan's basement, and now you're talking about the dollar family store dollar. Uh, family That's video. Family video. Oh, you're right. Uh, family video. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah. family video. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So uh, moving on to Hammond. Hammond, what's your least favorite uh, Val Kilmer easy. movie? Batman Forever. Okay. Yeah. What? What? Dude, that... Get over here. I'm fighting you. Joel Schumacher is a saint. For what? No pun intended. Killing me. No, I'm kidding. It is, it's not a good movie. I just, I, w- I always loved Jim Carrey in this movie. So oh, I've, I've, I've had a special place in my heart. Uh, your entrance was good. His was better. This the movie, difference? Showmanship. So it's so bad. The dialogue Jim is Carrey is. Like, I was watching some of the, like, clips from it. And, like, <laughs> Batman, like, he's supposed to be so cool as Bill Kilmer, you know, being Batman. And it's so not cool. It's the worst. Uh, was this, Jim the, first, was this the first one after the Burtons? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes it worse. And that movie made a ton of money. So, it, it killed it. Like, people saw it. Oh. So, it was the highest so this is interesting. movie of 95. Unreal. So this is interesting, though, because Tim Burton, when he had Danny DeVito bite the nose off of that reporter in, um, in The Batman Returns, or in Batman Returns, they were like, he's no longer, the kids don't want to see this movie. He's frightening kids, so we need to get a director who's going to be more kid-friendly so we can sell toys. So this seems like a, a definitely a, so they got Joel Schumacher, and it seems like something that Colin would enjoy, because Colin's into to that kind of decision-making when it comes to Hollywood. But yeah, he had done, Schumacher before that had done A Time to Kill, so he, oh no, that was that, that came right afterwards. But um, yeah, he'd done like Flatliners, he'd done The Lost Boys, Saint Almost Fire. So they thought, you know, he was going to kind of bring some commercial pizzazz to it. But yeah, it's just, a, it's really gaudy and it's, it's like cartoonish. Stylistically. It's very cartoonish. Yeah, very, very tough to watch. But again, when I was a kid, what Jim Carrey was doing just, it honestly was. It's funny to say now, but inspiring to me. I was Jim Carrey's Riddler for Halloween, and I had red hair and all this shit. But uh, so I, I, I'll always kind of have a special place. But not a not a good movie. And, and Val Kilmer was a one and done Batman, and just was notoriously tough to deal with on set. Bitched about the bat costume all the time. Uh, just was kind of a doucher when it came to being Batman. Interesting that they would try to put him in that role anyway. I just not a lot about Val Kilmer the person seems like he fits with Batman. But what do I know? To be fair to the movie, it, it was made for kids and made in part to sell Happy Meals. And I remember having the, the Batmobile toy that came from McDonald's or Burger King or whatever and thinking it was awesome. I remember seeing this movie in the theater and thinking it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it served its purpose. But I also think when I was watching it, uh, rewatching it, I just couldn't help to... Uh, appreciate how much Christopher Nolan has done for this franchise after, <laughs> after it went down this path. That's such a great it point. It is pretty remarkable. You know what's funny yeah. is that he he did an interview, like speaking of the Nolan Batman, where he cited Christian Bale and he was talking about other Batmans. And when he got to Christian Bale, he was like, and look, I don't know. I, I don't get what when you put the Batman suit on, it completely changes your voice, but who am I to, I don't know. Like, 
yeah. <laughs> he was like he's like hating on Christian Bale for it, even though that movie was a thousand times better. <laughs> yeah, Makes but Kilmer was hating on him. Kilmer was, yeah, he did the interview, yeah. But don't you Love think it. this movie is like uh, what you said, Bob? Too, where um, he kind of had trouble separating commercial success and his devotion to a role. Like he was mm-hmm. so difficult on set, but this movie made a bunch of money. But I'm sure he was a nightmare trying to like dive into the Bruce Wayne role or something like that. Cool, uh, Jordan. Um, Jordan, do you have a least favorite? Uh, you know, I'm really bummed that I couldn't get my hands on on some of these movies. Uh, I was I was gonna try to watch one of the two movies he's in with Fifty Cent, which are streaming on the Urban Movie Channel. But I, uh, of course, but, but I don't have access to that. Unfortunately, is that a record? Most movies start in beside Fifty Cent. Two probably is that a record. It's got to be right. Apparently, they got along on set together, teamed up to do it again. <laughs> um. Wait, we got Man. we got two Val Kilmer Fifty Cent movies, and we didn't get two Val Kilmer Robert Downey Jr. movies. What what is going on? Yeah, well, there's about that's a true. billion more Marvel movies coming, so maybe I'll give you a chance once they bring back Tony Stark. Yeah, he'll be in a flashback, and then on Ragnarok or something, Val Kilmer will be some some dude. He'll get it done. They'll get him back together. Yeah. Cool. So I, yeah, I'm I'm I think that's all I have on that. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, just just a, a career littered with them, and I'm sure if you you kind of scroll down here uh, to to Jordan's point, the the there's a few movies here on Rotten Tomato that have zero percent. Uh, first meaning Run for the Money, or it might have a couple Hard different cash. titles. The Snowman, uh, oh Red my Planet, Alec. My my least favorite was Alexander, which was another uh, Oliver Stone movie. That was the Colin Farrell project that was just a just absolute disaster so mm-hmm. just some some really really bad movies in general on here the saint i also wasn't a very big fan uh, of but in okay hey you had your chance <laughs> it was right there for you to put in so let's let's maybe this will work out let's put it let's transition into shout outs because i let you guys lead uh with with favorite movies i would like to just give um, my first shout out, which is to a 1985 movie called Real Genius. Has anyone seen Real Genius? Uh, yeah, I really I like... wanted to, I wanted to watch it when we saw we were doing him based on what I read, but not I have not seen it. I watched it's it last night, Bob. You watched it last night? Yeah, I had seen it, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. So watching it last night was kind of like uh, uh, I remembered bits and pieces of it, but I totally did not remember this whole like political subtext. Dark with the to with it. with the with them selling the machine to the government or anything like that. Yeah, the whole project they're working on is like a weapon yeah. to murder people. Yeah, it's a mass. It's a it's a it's a mass murder weapon, but it's um, like a single it, person murder weapon. But it's done in a funny way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which sounds weird right now, but yeah, Val Kilmer plays. It's one of the first movies that he got a chance to do, but he plays this kind of smart wisecracking almost kind of robert downey jr-esque character type named chris knight and it's about a high school kid and it's it's a pretty it's it's 80s and it's a very formulaic type 80s plot where this high school kid is a genius he goes to a school full of gifted kids and chris knight's kind of the cool mentor who's also a, a genius and 
Val Kilmer gets to do a lot of cool things. Like when he's giving him an introduction and, and, a, and a tour around the school, he pulls out this out of this uh, out of this crazy science fridge. He pulls out this was it liquid ice or nitrogen or what was that? And he cuts quarters in into him. Jordan, yeah, you're a I science think it was, guy. It was liquid nitrogen. Yeah, so he pulls out this liquid nitrogen and he like shaves the, shaves them off into the the width of a quarter and then he puts it in the coffee machine to pour himself some coffee. But it's just this school full of geniuses and and so there's just nuance there's wackiness that comes with that they have a roommate that uh, is actually uncle rico is in this movie from <laughs> napoleon dynamite but he lives like under underground because he realized that the school was stealing his ideas and selling his ideas off so um but yeah they, they there's all sorts of crazy stuff happens it's it's got a lot of comedy in it uh, a lot of heart and uh, there's this really fun scene at the end where they uh, use this laser that was supposed to go to the government, but they use it to, like, basically clown this professor and pop a bunch of popcorn in his house. So just kind of one of those one of those type movies that was perfect. It was always on daytime TV when I was a kid, so that's probably where you saw it, Jordan. Yeah, it definitely but it was, was. always Yeah, it was, it was always playing on just, like, cable television. And, uh, yeah, so I wanted to give a shout-out to that. It had an um, element of making nerds and scientists cool, which I enjoyed. I thought that was kind of a nice touch, opposed to the typical sort of, like, you know, frat kids or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of dick jokes. I had, like, a solid ten dick jokes in them, and all of them were good. <laughs> That's, yeah, and you know what? We need more movies like that. They don't make movies like this at all anymore, just with, like, high school. or I mean, maybe they do, and I'm not seeing them. But, just yeah, just kind of, like, fun premise like that. With the, like, the microchip scene when, they, when they're talking to Kip, and they're like, I am God, and that whole bit. Yeah, stop playing There's with the, yourself. Yeah, stop, stop playing with yourself. You can see that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's almost kind of like Big Bang Theory, but they're real people. And they're not just saying science jokes all the time. They're like real kids that are geniuses. But it's nothing it, like the big whole big theory. It's actually funny. well, it's just a bunch of geniuses hanging out, which is like big. But Big Bang Theory isn't. I don't watch Big Bang Theory, but isn't the whole thing that it's all like science jokes, rapid fire, a hundred times? And these people are like regular people. I don't know. I just know Big Bang Theory sucks. Okay, but <laughs> that's the point I'm making is that this doesn't suck. Yeah. Regardless. But that's you. my shout out. Colin, what's your shout out? Uh well you kind of uh sour pussed it earlier. But The Saint is a surprisingly watchable movie. Here we go. I mean, come on. It's <sighs> it's Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, if I'm being honest, was the Charlie's Theron of my young years. Absolutely smitten. Avengers and babysitting. With Elizabeth Shue. She was the best. I mean, that's like the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith pairing right there. Kilmer and Shue in an action movie. It's so cheesy and fantastic. It's a great, it's on TV. I don't feel like changing the channel. Awesome action movie. That's what The Saint is. If you have time to watch it and you haven't seen it, go do it. Okay. Moving on, Hammond. Shout I'm going to go MacGruber just because I want to talk about it. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm not sure it's a Val Kilmer I'm so excited. Out, but uh, one of the forgotten comedies the Dieter last Van Kampf? So um, oh, MacGruber is the most underrated comedy I think that's ever existed. It's so great. <laughs> well, they're fucking great guys. It's, it's a fucking asshole of a day. <laughs> this is so Did you like my eulogies? <laughs> you didn't have to use so much profanity. Oh, that's so good. No, you got it wrong. Cunt. And again, that's yeah. 
Clean as a pig's dick. That's a really funny Val Kilmer role. I don't know if he needed the money or if he just, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how he ended up doing that, but yeah. it's really funny that he is on this like SNL uh, spinoff movie and he's the uh, bad guy in it. This is great. KFBR392 might be <laughs> my favorite. Oh, God. This guy drives by and he says, nice car, asshole. And McGruber says, fuck you. And then he memorizes the license plate. He says it out and loud. Multiple callbacks in the movie. KFBR392. KFBR392. Multiple <laughs> callbacks. But then he finally sees the car. And as he's, it's like this climactic moment where he finds out the murderer and he's also, like, at the same time smashing and lighting this car on fire. Oh, it's, it's so good. But, yeah, Val Kilmer, play, speaking of Jordan's dick jokes, he's dickless in the movie. That's right. Yeah. At the end, at the end. He, they blow uh, his dick off. Yeah. It's such a childish Which, dude movie. It's, it's great. It's so great. Which saves him from getting his dick ripped off and shoved in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to rip his dick throat off. Ripping? But throat it was already blown off. Throat rips. Just, I want to get a turkey. It's a it's a bowling term, but it's for three throat, throat rips. Uh, was that the last NS, uh, SNL skit to be turned into a movie or SNL sort of uh, project? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really do that. Yeah. Uh, I just love I love 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 Will Forte and uh, yeah Dieter von Kampf. Shout out. So stupid. So, so stupid. Jordan, do you have any shout outs? Yeah, I watched this movie called Felon. I'm, I'm guessing you guys haven't seen it. It's one of those, I think, made less than $100,000 in the theaters. Um, and it's one of those, it's a prison fight movie that you've kind of seen before where somebody gets put into prison um, and is forced to just you know, fight people for no real reason because um, it's an excuse to have people fight, I guess, and that, you know, it's entertaining. But uh, Val Kilmer plays this, like notorious prisoner almost like a la uh, con air where he sort of runs the prison and he's respected and he's been there forever for killing a bunch of people and he's just given it like a really good performance and it's just uh you know even even though he's doing these kind of trash movies it was sort of interesting to see him give it his all um interesting and did you ever see what was the one with vince vaughn it's like fight on cell block cell block 60 yeah I like that director a lot. Yeah, actually, that was a yeah, that was a crazy ass movie. But okay, so so he's this like a prison mecca or, or, or not mecca? Um, he's this prison dude that everyone goes to for advice and wisdom and stuff. Yeah, Is it, like red in, in a sequence. Uh, well, he's like uh, except he's actually like a violent criminal, but he was doing it for like uh, you know I've, he had some backstory where his like wife and daughter got killed, so he went and killed like. Uh, whoever did it, their whole entire family it was like sixteen people to like wipe their bloodline out. What's his backstory? So he was a good guy who just murdered a ton of people. But by a uh, sort of series of events, um, the uh, the main character who gets put into prison, sort of because of an accident, who's out of place, gets taken under Val Kilmer's wing, and he sort of mentors him. And um, in the end, Val Kilmer like sacrifices himself for this guy. And oh. Um, the movie itself is it's it's repetitive um it's not great it's not terrible actually um but belkinmore's performance is actually you know pretty solid in it okay cool yeah i see it here it's got 63 percent on rotten tomatoes oh so. does it really i never actually bothered yeah. to, to look at that 
He's rocking yeah, so it's a actually heck of a one goatee of... in these photos. I was curious. I looked it up too. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's funny because uh, uh, he said when, in his preparation for the role, I read this, uh, that he didn't want to have like the chiseled physique because he wanted to, to show uh, him as a guy who had been kind of worn down by prison, who was in there for life and just sort of uh, kind of like fat and out of shape. But I think that's that was my really excuse, just an excuse too. To say, or or was that an excuse to not work out for six months before a role? So just his life. Yeah, <laughs> hon. Um, I don't want any of my characters in the future to have a chiseled physique. I want them to all seem beaten down and run down by this world. So it's just I'm more just realistic. Chill. Yeah, yeah. It's more realistic. <laughs> it's my method. You um, see Edward Norton doing that before American History X? No, nah, I don't want him to be yeah. cut. I just he got beat down. Nah, in he's, he's fat. Down, so. I don't. Yeah, it's better. It's gonna do it this way. Uh, cool. So, uh, just a few other house cleaning. Uh, he's in Willow, so you gotta throw some love to Willow. What the fuck is, is that? A Ron Howard movie? It's a it's a famous movie with. Oh my god, you guys have never seen Willow? No, but I I was reading about yeah, it's it. It's with. Uh, oh, it's with. They're uh, remaking it. Of course. Wait, is it Ron Howard though? It's Ron, Ron Howard. Warwick, yeah. Warwick Davis. Warwick the, Davis, the, the guy from Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Saw that one when I was a kid, and just uh, I, I haven't seen that in probably twenty five years. I did see it on the list, and I was really tempted to have that be one of the rewatches, but no. Written by George Lucas. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it. So shout out to Willow. Also, Iceman and Top Gun. I know we talked a bunch about Top Gun on the Tom Cruise case four. So if the people who are waiting for us to talk about Top Gun and they're banging their car steering wheel uh we will mention it here Iceman is fucking badass i also i actually felt like if i were ever to be cast in this movie i would play Iceman. i just i've always really liked val kilmer in this movie and he does a really good job of being the with for lack of better words icy like douchebag uh antagonist to tom cruise and he's fun and he has a lot of fun in the role and you know, looks great in the volleyball scenes. I'm sure everybody loves that, and and uh, and I love the line. You can you're still dangerous, but you could be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> you could be mine. Tom Cruise is so creepy in that movie. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than Val Kilmer's like teeth bite thing that he does to Tom and the. That's the best. So weird. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen someone do. It's the weirdest decision from an actor ever. I'm gonna bite my teeth at you oh, as I'm finishing so uncomfortable. this podcast. So uncomfortable. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad he made you uncomfortable. That was the whole point was to. All right, he succeeded. Get him off his great own. decision. Cool. Cool. Well, with that, I'm gonna play you guys out with uh, Val Kilmer singing some Doors music for you guys, and I want to thank you for coming on the episode today. Excited for you guys to get back on the podcast a lot more in the coming months. Yeah, for sure, man. Good, good to be back. Good times. Good to be back. Cool. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you guys have any suggestions, any other Case 4s you'd be interested in us digging into, let us know. Until the next time, don't forget to like and subscribe. And thanks for stopping in. Bye. Oh, baby, see, week to week, day to day, hour to hour, going straight, keep it Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side.